the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 630 The Word is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of our AM 630 The Word Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Marcus Burgos. Thank you once again for joining us on AM 630 The Word. This is Church of the Week. And uh, I love my program. I love this program because uh, even though I love the national guys that are aired even on this great station uh, and they travel the world preaching and uh, they preach great word and they minister to many, many people, there's something to be said about the local church, the church pastor that is that is in San Antonio that lives uh, – inside our, our city that we can bump into at, at our local grocery store. And uh, I, I, I think there's something special about that because when you call your pastor, most times he will answer the phone. And if someone's sick, he will pray. And if someone needs to be visited at the hospital, he or she will go. And so there's, there's something beautiful about that relationship. And so this program, Church of the Week, is geared towards honoring and pointing and putting a, a, a spotlight on our local pastors. And today is no different. Uh, today I am honored to have one of our, our programmers uh, on, the, on the air. And uh, he has a program here on AM630, The Word, and you have heard it. And it's, one of, it, it's a great program. Uh, today I'm honored to have the pastor of Verse by Verse Fellowship, none other than uh, Pastor Stephen Armstrong. Pastor Armstrong, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Marcos. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, we, you know, we, like I said before, the, our local ministers are so important to us. I, I myself grew up in church. I'm a PK, and so I understand uh, the, the, the tug and, how, and the cost of ministry on a family, and, uh, but I also have seen the benefits to it and how I have been blessed, and how I have made a decision to stay close to ministry. And so, Pastor Armstrong, tell me, tell me a little bit about, about you, the person. What, what happened in your life? Because sometimes when, when in ministry, and I think about pastors, something must have gone wrong in their thinking to, to say, I want to be a pastor. <laughs> you yeah, know, when we when we think of the cost of ministry, and we think why why ministry? Why become a pastor? Yeah, I, I I like to ask that question to the pastors I have on the air. Yeah, you, somebody probably needs to get their head examined if they <laughs> want to get into this. Well, and there's a joke I think that people have probably heard that said uh, you know, ministry would be so easy if it weren't for all the people, and uh, I, that's probably both the the reason you you do this and also the reason why some people think it's crazy is that it's about people and the lives and the needs of people, whether they're believers or not, uh, are often complicated and, and messy and uh, you know, there's all kinds of things going on in everybody's life and we all need help at times. We all need someone to support us and certainly in the walk of a Christian, there's so many days of our lives in which we feel 
that we're, we're, we're not tethered to Christ closely enough. We know our lives are probably not reflective of Christ well enough. These are the feelings every Christian has. And so you, know, you, you look for support. You should look for support. Yeah. And when, when someone brings those things to you as a pastor, you, know, it's, you rarely have someone knock on your door and uh, you know, come calling and say, Hey, Pastor, I just want to let you know I'm having a fabulous day and everything's perfect. And, and I just wanted to come over here and celebrate with you. You know that that's nice, but it doesn't happen very often. Usually, people are seeking for advice and counsel and prayer, the things that you're there to provide. And so, yeah, being a pastor is a rewarding, challenging experience. It has its it, it has its tough days uh, as you have to walk with people through difficult circumstances. But but if you're called to do it, and I think this is the real key, if you're called by God to do this kind of work, not doing it is worse. Uh, than your worst day at the job. That's you right. know, just walking away from the calling of God is never better than serving. And even in s- difficult circumstances, your service to God uh, brings its own rewards, if not immediately, certainly in the in the future. And that's I think that's what keeps someone in a pastoral role going, is that understanding that God's put me here for a reason. I'm called to do it, and I'm just going to devote myself to the to the answering of that call. I've heard I've heard there are two. Uh, the most unhappy, unfulfilled people in the world. One of them is the backslider, mm-hmm. because they've they've tasted, they've had some experience, and then they've they've walked away. They had mm-hmm. some exposure, and then they walked away, and so they're never going to get that anywhere else. Right, right. And so they are very unhappy, and they just, for whatever reason, cannot find their way back. And hopefully, they will. Right. The other, the other is is the person that has gone a little bit further and received the call. To, to do something right. in ministry and has stepped back from the call. Right. Well, because, have, again, it's, it is a lot of work, but it's something that your heart is prepared for, is yeah. made for. How yeah, do you the, think about that? Yeah, the, the prophet sp- spoke of having a burden. Yes. And, uh, which is somewhat ironic because what they actually were called to do was burdensome of it in its own way. But they had a burden in the sense of, of called to, to do it, and they couldn't not go because the burden pulled them in. Yes. And I think that's a, a fair way to look at it. Obviously, the, the story of Jonah is our classic biblical example, right, of a man called and at first reluctant uh, for his own reasons to answer that call, and the consequences of not answering were far worse than the consequences of answering. So uh, it's a good reminder to, to any, anyone in pastoral ministry. Someone, someone told me, made the, uh, the comparison that pastors are like lawyers in, in that people go to a lawyer at the last possible moment. Right, right. And uh, so they'll go visit the pastor at the very last moment where there seems to be no hope, nothing. Here, pastor, uh, help my marriage. Yeah, well, you, you said something interesting uh, in the introduction. You mentioned that uh, while you have national voices on the radio and they do a, lo- a lot of great things, they can't replace the local pastor who's mm-hmm. there when you need them. That's right. But I do think there's a, a trend that, at least in some places, that is a, a bit of a, of, an, uh, of a problem, I guess, in this respect, because churches, as they grow, can get so big that you know, the, the one you think of as your pastor that you may see every Sunday is, is very hard to reach. Uh, they're just so busy, and there's, yeah. you know, there's so many people in the body that they can't be available all the time. And and knowing that that's happening, uh, you know, you hope that in those kinds of places, people are finding pastoral support in other ways, you know, small groups or something right. of that sort. But that's one of the reasons why we wanted to start Verse by Verse Fellowship was 
we felt that there was opportunity in a in in this city anyway, where there's so much ministry going on, good ministry in yeah. in many cases, but yet uh, so many of um, the places where you might congregate are are just very big, and big is not bad, but for some believers, especially those who who are really needing a lot of personal uh, support for whatever reason, we think it's better if they get into a smaller fellowship. I mean, it, you know, small is not better than big defi- in, in every case, but I'm right. just... Right, in and of itself. Right, right. There's no, there's no right size. But right. What, what I'm saying, though, is we felt that rather than be a Bible study ministry inside a large church, which was something we were already doing, we thought maybe it would be better to be a separate congregation where the kind of ministry we wanted to do would be easier to do for people um, in a smaller setting. So that was one of our motivations, was to make ourselves more available to people. So let me ask you this question, uh, uh, Pastor Armstrong. Now that your church is growing... Yeah, what am I going to do about that? Yeah, because now, you know, I I agree with how how you assess the situation. That's right, that's right. I I totally agree. We need to have pastors. I'm I'm one of those people that I agree in the pastoral ministry. I want to have a relationship with someone that can call me and tell me, hey, cut it out, or you need to do this. And so as you grow, because you are. Mm-hmm. You're, you've already moved several times, yeah. and uh, yeah. how, how are you? How are you dealing with this? That's a great question, and I kind of knew you were going to get there because it's the obvious. You put it out there. For I me. did. I did. I kind of <laughs> walked into that one, didn't I? But uh, you know, th- there's there's a couple of ways you can deal with that. Uh, there's a obviously most people have probably heard of Mark Dever and mm-hmm. and his Nine Marks Ministry, and the church that he pastors in Washington D.C. is a very interesting church. And I mention him because he has a very interesting approach to this specific problem. They, they also believe that there should be very close contact between the leadership in the church and each person in the fellowship. And there's a, a degree of spiritual accountability that comes with that, that you cannot uh, turn aside from. And so their, their way of addressing this issue is they don't grow. They literally set a maximum number of people who are allowed to attend the church. And when they hit their maximum, which they always they're, – they're at their maximum, I think, most of the time – New people who show up are politely told that there's, there's no more room available in this church, and they refer them to other churches. And they set a cap on how many people they minister to. And I think that's—I'm not saying that's the solution, but I found that to be a very interesting uh, perspective for a man who clearly could have grown his church to megachurch proportions. I mean, he's so well-known, and, and his teaching is, is very good. And yet, he, he said, that's not who we need to be. So— when, when I look at what I'm, I'm doing and what God's calling me to do, I don't think we've reached the, a point at this stage in our growth where we have to do something like that. But I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not saying it, it won't happen someday. I'm not saying we won't do that because I think it is a challenge. And if you, if you just sort of let things happen without planning, that is, if you don't take into account what are we going to do if we have 2,000 people or what are we going to do if we have 3,000, if you haven't planned for that, then I think... It, it suggests to me, anyway, that your concerns are not as much for the individual needs of each person in the body, but for the corporate need of the body. That is, I want to see a big building with lots of people, and right. I want to see that that as a sign of success. And my intention is toward that outcome rather than to say, what's going on in the lives of individuals? I can say it very simply. We care more about – when we say the word church growth, when we say that phrase, mm-hmm. we're talking about the spiritual growth of individuals. We're not talking about the numeric growth of our body. We're talking about the church. That's right. So we're concerned with growing each person in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll let the numbers go where they go. That's up to the Lord anyway, right? Exactly. We water and plant, and He causes the growth. But 
if at some point we are faced with this you know, larger congregation that we can't support very well, we'll have some tough conversations. That's what we have to do. San Antonio right now, I know the question that San Antonio is asking. I saying, who is this man? Uh, what? <laughs> I can't believe what he just said. Well, this is Pastor Stephen Armstrong, and he is a pastor of Verse by Verse Fellowship. And uh, Pastor, tell me, uh, where, where is your church? You have, the, you have the address of the church where you're located. Yes, we are meeting at uh, another church's facility. I'm very thankful for the support that we've received from Oak Hills Church here in San Antonio. We're not affiliated with them, but they have been very uh, gracious to us, and they have opened their doors at one of their satellite campuses so that we can meet there on a night of the week when they were not using that building. So we meet at the North Central Campus of Oak Hills Church, and that's located on 551 East Nakoma. So it's easy to find. It's directly north of the airport, right off of 281. Uh, and we meet there on Saturday nights at 5.30 p.m., and that's been a, a really nice setting for us. It's a beautiful building. Uh, we enjoy being able to use it and to meet there. And we're there every week on, on Saturday nights. That's a great location. And you're literally just north of the yeah, airport. That's right. If you, if you know where the airport is, just keep going one exit north on 281. <laughs> if you hug the airport on that's the road, right. you <laughs> will find You will see us. Uh, and that's, that's, a, you know, that's temporary, obviously, because we can't be there forever. And we're, but, but for now, it's where we are, and we'll be there as long because as Because you're growing. Well, because we're growing and because it's not our building, right? So they've, as I said, Oak Hills has been uh, just super, super kind to us and, and supportive. And, and I do want to make that point because I, I, I appreciate working with ministries that have that shared uh, appreciation for the body of Christ corporately, not mm -hmm. simply our congregation or their congregation. And that was the attitude we saw from Oak Hills right from the start. You know, uh, in, in giving... The Bible says it's, it's better to give than to receive. True. And so, but that requires almost that relationship. And one of the things that I have, mm -hmm. I have loved to see from you, Pastor Armstrong, really, uh, is that relationship. You, you've sought that out. I, don't, I really don't see you as a lone ranger. I think, if, I think you could have been if you wanted to. I, I, don't, I don't see you as a lone ranger. You, you, are, you are a part of the body well, thank you. I, I appreciate the encouraging words. Um, if that's true, and I, and I hope it is, then it's probably the result of how our ministry started. You know, Verse by Verse Fellowship is the church that we're talking about today. But before the church was established back at the beginning of this year in, in January, uh, I had been teaching and ministering for many years prior to that as part of a ministry called Verse by Verse Ministry International, as you know. Right. And that ministry was not a church. It was a parachurch ministry, a, an Internet-based Bible teaching ministry. And because it was not its own church, that means that whenever I taught, I was teaching in someone else's church. Right. Uh, you know, upon invitation, somebody said, "Would you come and teach us?" And that gave me an opportunity to get to know those people in that church. But I think one of the consequences of that style of ministry is that you become uh, very aware of the need to build relationships. That no one's an island. Uh, you know, that particularly in our case. We had to be in someone else's building to even conduct an event, right. and you don't get invited in, uh, obviously, without some relationship. And so uh, hopefully what that's done is instill in us an attitude that says it's all one church, and mm -hmm. we're all working to the same goal, or should be. And so even after we've planted now our own body, our own fellowship, that doesn't mean we put up high walls around ourselves and we just think that we've got it all together and 
we know everything and no one else does or any such thing. Quite the opposite. We, we understand we're just one more dot on the map, and God is in control doing what he does, and we just want to partner with anyone who wants to teach the Bible and grow people in, in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. So as we're, as we're talking here, someone in San Antonio is listening and saying, you know what, I want to grow the church, my church, me. Mm-hmm. I want God to, to minister to me. How do I get there? So let me ask you this question. What does it mean, and how should I show up to verse-by-verse fellowship on, on Saturday night? Uh, is it a three-piece suit type of church? <laughs> is it a shorts and, and sandals type of church? Does it even matter? What? what? How should I go? Yeah, well, this is a black tie-only church. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great question. I, it's been asked of me in a, in a slightly different way, but it's the same thought. People have said, well, why do we need another church? What's different about your church, or why does it exist? And, and you know, who, what kind of people come to your church? Well, the first answer is, no, we don't need another church. Christ alone decides where and when and how he plants uh, the body of Christ, and we don't pretend to have uh, anything more to say about it than just obedience to Christ. But it is self-evident that over the centuries, he is, Christ has wanted to move his church outward, to plant it in many different ways and in many different places, and that hasn't changed. That's still going on. So he's called us to plant this church. But but if we had to decide or describe our distinctiveness, mm-hmm. what, what makes us distinctive? Mm-hmm. Uh, if if I could suggest one thing, it would be that our approach to teaching the Bible from the pulpit is, I think, distinct compared to, in many cases, what is being done in other churches. And I don't want to make this sound like you know we're right, they're wrong, but what I'm saying is there is a wide variety of experiences available in the body yes. so that we can meet a wide variety of needs within that body. Christ is, is the one architecting that diversity. And I think he's asked us to come alongside other churches and be a church that teaches the Bible in a very in-depth way, verse by verse. If you come to our church, you're going to hear the Bible taught from the pulpit for 40 minutes. It's going to be verse by verse through, through the Bible, whole books at a time. So right now we're in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to go through the whole Gospel of Matthew front to back. And that's what we do. And it's a style of teaching that I think there, there is an audience for. There's ch- Christians who want it. Um, so that's our distinctive. But if, apart from that, you know, we do not set a lot of parameters around who comes and how they, they come. Certainly what you want to wear is of no concern to us for the most part. Uh, we just want people to come and, and be ready to study the Bible. You know, one of the greatest blessings I think any pastor can have in his work behind the pulpit is that when he approaches the pulpit and stands up to preach, he's met by the sound of Bibles opening in the, yes. in the congregation. You know, that's a congregation that's grown to understand this is about studying the Word, and, and that's what we want to be known for. Let me ask you this question, Pastor, because uh, me growing up in church, I've had this, I've had this argument uh, in the Bible study part of the church, the, mm-hmm. but, you know, discipleship, and so we'll take, we would take a book, and my whole, my whole thing was, okay, now that we have this information, what are we going to do with it? Right, right. How, how, would you, how would you address that? Classic, classic concern, and, and a genuine one. This, if I could rephrase it, it would be this concern that churches that teach the Bible are all about head knowledge, and no one ever puts it into action. Uh, that's the stereotype. But I would also say there's an opposite stereotype. There's the church that's um, light on teaching, yes. big on enthusiasm and emotion right. and... Uh, I used to be in the Air Force many years ago, and we had a saying in the Air Force for that kind of situation. We called it all thrust and no vector, mm. which is a way of saying lots of energy behind you, but you don't know where to go. And so we don't want either problem. We don't right. want people that have all this knowledge but no impetus to do anything with it. And certainly 
I, I think we don't want to repeat what's going on in other places today, which is a lot of energy and excitement, but not a lot of biblical instruction that tells you what to go do with your passion and zeal. Uh, you got to guard on both ends. How do we guard against the classic mistake of a Bible church? Well, in our case, it's it's in how we preach the word. Mm-hmm. You know, not going to not going to preach the word less in order to solve that problem. That's not helping. Right. But in the preaching of the word, um, we we do it with an attitude that I I say this way: we do it with eyes for eternity. That is to say, we are not asking you to consider these things so that they'll make your life happier or so that you'll feel more knowledgeable or proud about what you know in the Bible. This is all preparing you so that when you stand before Christ, before your judgment, as all believers will do, this is the truth of Scripture, all believers stand before their Lord in judgment, not a judgment for whether you go to heaven. That alone, that's That's determined by faith alone, and Jesus' work on the cross is sufficient for that. But having come to faith and having been saved by God's grace, now you do stand for a judgment, the Bible says, uh, concerning how you served him, and the outcome of that judgment is for reward. And so the judgment will be to determine how much reward you have received for your service to Christ as a believer. My job is to prepare everyone in that fellowship for maximum reward, to maximize their eternal reward, not their earthly reward, their eternal reward. And in order to do that, I must teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded them. That's what Jesus asked us to do. So we teach because you can't do what you don't know. But then we give an added emphasis to living it out with eyes for eternity, understanding there's a judgment, recognizing you have to be accountable to Christ, you better be prepared for that, and encouraging and exhorting and guiding and praying for in all the other ways we can to get you ready for that moment. It's just like a teacher in a high school or a college, right? Yeah. You prepare the student by teaching, but the goal is so they do well on the test. Yes. And, and that means encouraging them to study on their own and to be ready. And we, we, we have that attitude in our church, and that's what we're going to continue to do. That's a great answer, Pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you answered it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one, one of the things that, you're, that you say in your church, that a verse-by-verse fellowship is a church for what? For people who love the Word. People that love the Word. And, and of course, so, it means not just the Bible, but it means Jesus, right? Because the that's Word right. is Christ. Yeah, we mean it both ways. And so, you know, someone's listening today, and, and I'm sure they're intrigued by what they're hearing. But uh, do you have to have a certain level of knowledge. Oh, good question. To be able to qualify to sit in the sanctuary <laughs> of verse by verse fellowship. Oh, well, Is there an entry exam? That's right. We should we, you have to pass a test to get in. <laughs> you know, I had not thought I've not heard that question before. It's a good question. Um, well, let me say this. Let me say it this way. Uh, in all the years I've spent teaching the Bible, uh, I do not change the style of teaching I pursue uh, for a particular audience. So even if I'm teaching, let's say, teenagers or mm-hmm. you know even younger kids, I don't know how to do it any differently than I do it. And here's what I've discovered. Uh, I've discovered that I'm not the teacher in the room anyway. That's right. So while I might say something of a certain style with a certain emphasis and I have a certain amount of depth to it and so on, what really happens in the room is that the Spirit of God, with the Word of God, impresses upon the hearts of each individual what they need to understand. And, you know, we remember that Jesus, or that uh, God spoke through a donkey in Numbers, Mm -hmm. right, in the Mm -hmm. book of Numbers. So knowing that, I can't put a lot of credit on myself in in terms of my role in this. You know, I'm just a mouthpiece for God. But 
But it's in the end the spirit who's the teacher. And so I will tell anyone who says, I'm not really a Bible student. I don't know much about the Bible. I'll say, well, you got to start somewhere. Right. And if you come into a body where the Bible is being taught regularly, here's what you can expect. You can expect the spirit of God to take what you hear and impress it upon your heart in a way that you can understand it as he intends and that you can apply it as he intends. And as you grow, he will give you more and take you further. And in the meantime, I just keep doing the same thing I've always been doing. I don't have to tailor. The Spirit is the one who does that work for you. And it's a wonderful experience. I'll just finish with a quick story. I had a mother one time tell me that she brought her younger children to church, and these are you know very young children, early school age. And uh, she was thinking, oh, they're not going to get much out of this, and I don't know whether I should have had them in the service, or maybe I should take them to a Sunday school or something. And then later in the week when she's driving around town with them, sitting in the car seats behind her in the mm-hmm. minivan, one of them said something about what they heard in the sermon and asked a question about it. And she said, I was so stunned to think that that child actually grasped what was said, remembered it, and had the wherewithal to ask a question about it. And it was just evidence to her that the Spirit of God can use any, you know, can, can speak to any heart out of the Word of God. You don't have to dumb it down. And that's, that's our attitude. That's right. I, I feel that we, as preachers and teachers, uh, separate from someone in high school, where they teach to the brain. Right, right, right. We don't teach to the brain. And church, you are speaking to the soul, to the heart, and these are things that children can capture. And so uh, thank you, Pastor Armstrong, for joining us today. It has been my great pleasure to have you. Why don't you quickly invite San Antonio to come to church? I would love to. If you are looking for a Bible-teaching church, a church that will challenge you to get deeper into the Word, then let me invite you to come to Verse by Verse Fellowship. We meet on Saturday nights at 5.30 p.m., currently at the North Central Campus of Oak Hills Church right off of East Nakoma. I hope you'll come by some, come, some weekend in the future and uh, look me up, shake my hand, and uh, we'd love to meet you. VBVF. That's right, Verse by Verse Fellowship, vbvf.org. You can find them on the web. Thank you, San Antonio, for listening to Church of the Week on AM 630 The Word, here with my special guests, Pastor Steve Armstrong. It has been my great pleasure. Thank you. God bless you, San Antonio. Thank you for joining us today as we featured our AM 630 The Word Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you got a chance to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at am630theword.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.